With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yay, in-person cheers. Cheers. (laughs) We're in the same place. In New York. Mm. Oh, I didn't drink. Oops. I took a sip. Uh, Well, you know, it's water, so I shouldn't I mean, it's fine. I did it wrong. I also realized that, like... I want to give from this 30 seconds in the microwave. Um, I made a coffee. Um, hi, everybody. Hi. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And this is a podcast. About dating and how we cheers. <laughs> and time. what we're drinking and what we're tapping. And what cities we're in. Exactly. Um, thank you all for listening and tagging us in your Instagram stories. I'm loving that new trend. Yes. Very fun. I try to repost them. I'll be better at it. Um, thank you for... You know, emailing, texting, messaging, not texting, calling. <laughs> no, calling. Let's start up. Let's start. Literally, online. start calling us. That Actually, that would be fun. We could do it by Skype. Yeah, totally. Let us know what you think. Joining the secret Facebook group. Yeah, that's fun. Following us on Instagram at Five One First States Pod. Telling your friends. Ooh, someone very cool was telling someone else about the podcast, and it got back to Emma. I forget. She's a cool artist on Instagram. I have to look it up. But like someone with, like we don't know her. So oh my god, cool. that makes so me. So actually, I want to have her on. So I need to refigure out. Incredible. That makes me so and, happy. Yeah, I need to circle that back. But basically, Emma was like, "This cool person told my friend about a podcast, and it was Fifty One First Dates." Oh my god, that makes and me so happy. I was like, "That's cool." It never stops makes me. It never stops making me happy when people have heard of our podcast. <laughs> it makes me feel so special and fancy. Yes, like way fancier than I deserve to feel. Same. I mean, yeah, keep it coming. I'll, I'll be done with my MBA, and we'll, we'll just go we'll tour the world. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on a yacht. No. We'll tour that with world. With all that crazy podcast money. So we are going to bring you a guest for another week in a row this week, um, because we, well, because Kenny, the Kenster, the new dater, if you're just tuning in, I, Kimmy, went on 32 of 51 dates, Met my boyfriend, decided to not make him suffer through more dates just for the sake of a podcast. Um, and so now we just, we have some new daters. Um, the first of which is this boy, Kenny, who's my brother. <laughs> he, he be dating <laughs> this boy, Kenny. This boy, Kenny. Um, but he's in Paris. We told him, maybe everyone can pressure him. Oh, he'll be back now. But to go on a date in Paris, but who knows how that shook out. Yeah. But we also just had, like, really wanted to um, make this timing with our, our very special guest workout with. Um, the release of her film. Uh, yeah. So our guest today is uh, Charlene de Guzman, and she is a writer and actor who just made this very cool movie called Unlovable, which is about her real-life experience as a sex and love addict. It's a fictionalized version of herself, but she draws heavily on her own experiences. Yep. Uh, we got a copy of the screener. It's excellent. Uh, when this episode comes out, you'll be able to get it. Um, I see it in select theaters and or find it on iTunes, 
Google Play, all of the things. Wow. I'm so tech savvy. On VOD. <laughs> VOD. Are people basically. still saying that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. I keep at school because for the entertainment stuff, learning about SVODs and AVODs. Yeah. And it's all it's all a new thing. Okay. Though, I'm glad that VOD, VOD is like still a thing because because when we asked Charlene where she could find it, where people could find it, she like listed them and I was like, oh, are we not saying VOD anymore? Um, <laughs> I'm always the last person to hear about stuff. So. Because I think VOD is like, like what? Like yeah. I think it's like. We all know what Google Play. That's very true. Um, or Apple. What's it called iTunes? Or, it's it's Apple, Apple Podcasts, but it's it might be iTunes for movies. Too. I literally don't know anything about technology. I I barely. You absolutely do. Well, I've learned a lot, but about like tech. Like I don't know any apps. He'll be like, "Do you have this app yet?" I'm like, "No, I don't have any apps. I have like four apps that I use." Yeah. This is, nobody cares. Apps, apps, apps. Uh, <laughs> They're what you have before dinner, right? <laughs> my, my favorite apps is mozzarella sticks. Oh, God, mm, shut the fuck mm. up, Liza. Um, I'm hungry. I'm tired. Um, so all of that is to say, we have a really special episode. I think everyone will relate to it, even if you you haven't kind of been in a position where you had sex and love addiction or even kind of thought about it. I think you should watch the movie and you'll relate to it more than you realize. But I also think this conversation, like, Charlene got back into a healthy dating plan, which I think was really interesting for us to hear about and weirdly found some similarities with, like, what we talk about with dating projects, dating what I did on this, what what just, like, rethinking and changing the way you're dating can do, no matter what that changes, if that makes sense. Yes. And I think that there something that I thought about while we were talking to her was that I think there's a lot of similarities or common threads between people who are suffering from sex and love addiction and just people who are in some unhealthy dating patterns. Like mm-hmm. I feel like like Russell Brand, I love Russell Brand and I know he's like kind of a he's had some weird moments, but I do think he's a really like mm-hmm. intelligent voice about addiction right now and he in I think his book, Define Addiction, is like being it, – it, uh, his own sex and love addiction being the difference between being able to live your life normally. Like that's the line where you yeah. become an addict is when yes. you cannot carry on normal life because your addiction – because the thing you're doing is an addiction. Um, but he has talked about like there being – you know, even – though he's been in recovery for a long time for many things. He has a very addictive personality. He wrote a whole book about it. It's really good. Um, (laughs) But it's really good. I think that like while we were talking to Charlene, I was like, oh, like I've experienced a a kernel of that. Just a Mm -hmm. little, you know. So I think that even if you're not someone who is suffering from sex and love addiction or has any concern that they are, this conversation is going to be super interesting to you because there are these parts in all of us that, you know, are – just kind of crying out for like love and yeah yeah and Charlene has an amazing story and she has an amazing story to making a film about her journey that involves getting the attention of Mark and Jay Duplass so that's really fucking cool yes Um, oh also we didn't even talk about this when we talked to her but her her film also won a grand jury prize like the game changer prize itself by Southwest. 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 It's a yeah, big fucking true. deal. We just kind of jumped into it. But yeah. yeah, we'll tell you all the details. Yeah. Yes. Big, big deal at South by Southwest. The Southwest. And then it's coming out right now. Um, just out as of this podcast. It's release. And just like really, I don't know, inspiring all around. Really worth watching. Um, go find this movie. Support it. Repost it. I think it's what we need 
more movies to be like, which I understand in this day and age, it's all going to be superheroes and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. But I, it was just, it was um, a good watch, a relatable watch. And I love that it like, I don't know, it's like the product of a really tough journey that she went on. And just like any films made by ladies are cool because there are not a lot of us making it and doing it. And as lady filmmakers ourselves, we just think it's really cool. And you should definitely watch it, support her, and it, and post about it also. And you can support us too. Do you know well, how they can do that, Liza? <laughs> you can. Did we already? I'm oh, selfish. you can rate, subscribe, review. But I'm going to tell them again. Oh my god, okay. Because I'm a total jerk. It's great. Um, I couldn't decide if I wanted to call myself a bitch, an asshole, or what, and then jerk came out. So Because I was like, none of these are I'm just yeah. cheesy, and I'm annoying, and I'm sorry. Well, we're cheesy and annoying because it really actually helps us a lot. I know. And, like, it helps us get guests like this. It helps us in so many ways if you uh, go to iTunes and just click rating. Oh, my God. You know what I did the other day? Literally, like, four days ago, I went and rated our podcast. You had not. I hadn't done it. You had not. I was like, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I gave us five stars. I'll admit it. So <laughs> practice what you preach. Um, we are doing that now, so we can officially ask you to keep doing it. I love everyone being like, I listened to this since the beginning, sorry. So I think it's worth it. It's yeah. worth us to bother you for 2.5 more seconds. Um, and then tell your friends. I think that's the other big way. Yeah. Tell your friends. Put it in your Instagram story. Totally. Um, and ch- talk to your friends. Encourage your friends who are, you know, your friends who you're going out and complaining with dating about or texting from across the country and complaining with about dating with uh, you know, send them our way. We, send we'll them love them way. too. Yeah. Wrap we'll them all them. in big podcast hugs. We'll treat them. We'll cuddle them. Well, not in a creepy way. You know, it's just like in their ears yeah. while they're lying in bed. That's creepy. Too. It's all creepy. Keep sending your feedback on the emails. Okay, we you you okay. know what to you do. know you know we said enough. Okay, here's our interview with Charlene. Enjoy it and go watch Unlovable. Great, and now we're so, so lucky to be joined by Charlene Guzman, um, writer and star of Unlovable. And um, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're like very thrilled to talk to you. I think that the, I mean, obviously your movie is like really, really cool for a lot of reasons. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, sex and love addiction, which is something we're talking about today, is obviously like... A topic a lot of people have a lot of questions on and mm-hmm. are yeah. confused about. It's definitely relevant to the 51 First Dates um, podcast audience, too. Uh, we're just so so excited to delve in. So Liza and I were lucky enough to see a screener of the film, and it's really excellent. And sh- you should all check it out, listeners. That's the first most important thing. Um, but Charlene, just kind of to start at the beginning, um, this is a super basic question, and I think I already kind of know this, but just for our listeners, what inspired you to make this film? Well, I really wanted to bring awareness to sex and love addiction because a big part of my healing and recovery was realizing that I wasn't alone in my experiences because I seriously thought that I was broken and unlovable and I'd never be in a relationship and no one could ever love me. And once I learned about sex and love addiction and I started going to um, meetings and meeting other people, it blew my mind that even, you know, the list of characteristics or, you know, the books I was reading or the people that I was meeting, the stories they were sharing, that it was exactly my experiences, you know, listed on this piece of paper or in this book or in the, you know, 
the shares of other people that I wasn't alone with this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to bring awareness to this because we've seen movies with, you know, just sex addiction um, or, you know, very male perspectives of this uh, addiction, but you never hear about sex and love addiction, which is a little different than just sex addiction. Um, it has a lot of dependency and attachment involved. It, it means, you know, pursuing unavailable people, um, you know, jumping from relationship to relationship, not being able to leave a relationship that you know you should leave. All these things that I feel like many people have experience with. And, you know, a lot of people like myself found, I found myself destroying my life because of it. And that's when, you know, it can be a an addiction and you might want to take a look. Yeah, I thought that was really powerful about the film because first of all, there's definitely a lot of stigma around sex and love addiction and I just realized Mm -hmm. I was also a little bit ignorant to it and had some very male images of like sex addiction in my mind. Right, yeah. I thought that was really powerful, especially also your amazing um, female sponsor in the movie, Melissa Leo, which is very Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, Did you, when, when you kind of like learned more about sex and love addiction like how did you start to understand that um hearing other people's stories within the context of what you were experiencing beyond just being alone but how to like identify what exactly you were going through um you know the the whole pursuing unavailable people thing Mm -hmm. is a big one because most sex and love addicts are attracted to those who are unavailable. They're cold, they're avoidant, they're wishy-washy, they're vague, they disappear most of the time. It takes a long time to hear back from them. Um, You're not sure how they feel about you. They don't really say, express many feelings for you, but when they do, they're so charming and the high from an unavailable person is so high, it it really starts to become like a drug and to the point where you're just accepting crumbs from this person. Yeah, and it's funny because I feel like there's a lot. I see so many people in relationships uh, or out of relationships or in half relationships or in like, you know, like sex friendships or whatever Mm -hmm. doing that exact thing, like accepting less than what they want or deserve, Mm -hmm. which I think is like we talk about that so much Mm -hmm. on the podcast. Um, about yeah. like asking for what you want, like trying to get the things you actually want and and like yeah. kind of demand them. But I yeah. think there's obviously a big difference, you know, between not getting that in a particular relationship and finding that you're like chronically not getting that. Right. And for me, it was like, it would be disguised too, because I honestly was telling myself, well, I don't want anything serious. Mm. And that would be my thing with guys too, of like, oh, look at me. I'm cool. Like, I just want to hook up. Like, you don't need to be nice to me. Like I'm using you. Like it would be this thing where I thought I was empowering myself, but like, really I was hurting myself because even if I wasn't aware of it at the time, it's like, I wanted something more. I wanted to feel loved, but that was like a protection for me telling myself that I wanted it this way. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's even totally possible for people who aren't looking for relationships. Like we just had Lane Moore on last week who just wrote a book about like called like how to be alone and like how she Mm -hmm. actually like kind of found that she didn't want to be in a relationship. And we talked a lot about this, but Even in those situations, like, you still have to be treated well to a certain, yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. still like, fucking be nice to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then if this is too personal, I'm totally feel free to skip out on it. But there's definitely a moment in the film where it's like, and I don't know, you know, a rock bottom of sorts or a moment of realization. Yeah. Um, did you experience that in your own life? A version well, you of know, that? it's interesting because I, I had so many bottoms and now looking back, it's like insane that I wasn't doing anything about it yet. And I just kept going with it. But the bottom, bottom, bottom that actually got me to take my recovery seriously and get serious help um, was after um, I had actually started getting help because I wanted to save my relationship with the most unavailable person I had ever been with at this point. <laughs> um, and, you know, now I look back on it and I'm like, well, whatever works. I feel like that's the only reason that would have gotten me to do anything about it was to save a relationship. But I had gone um, no contact with this person for a period of time. I think it was a few months and, um, I went right back to him and then I slept with him three days in a row and then he ghosted me. Um, and you know, I'd been there before with this person, but at this point, I honestly think because I had a few months of like recovery and learning how to love myself under my belt, it hurt and it, the pain was worse than ever before. And I was actually planning on killing myself, like just like in the beginning of the movie. I planned on killing myself because I thought I was crazy and I could not believe that I was there again. And I could not believe how I even ended up there again. And I wanted to kill myself. And I was pacing around my apartment all day and it was like seven hours into the day. And he finally called back and I saw his name and his picture on my phone, and I could feel all the pain and anguish in my body that I had been feeling just dissipate from my body immediately, like a drug, like immediately. And I was able to see in that moment, like, oh, wow, this is how I know I'm sick. Because it was kind of mind blowing for me to actually see it, of mm -hmm. like how it was like a drug. And from then on, that was in the beginning of 2015, um, I really, took the program seriously, took my therapy seriously and got sober off this person. Wow. Um, thanks for sharing that. That's mm -hmm. incredibly powerful. It just puts, I mean, I saw the film, but just hearing you speak about it too, it makes me think about like, I don't know, and you would know this better, but like some misconceptions that people might have about sex and love addiction and like mm -hmm. hearing you speak about it, it seems... Like if, if people could just hear you speak about it or understand it better, they wouldn't. But have you come across that? Do you think people? Oh, absolutely. Like even, you know, and my friends, you know, they meant well, but like, you know, usually people honestly are like, well, just get over it or let's get drunk and find someone to hook up with tonight or, you know, or like, you're fine. Like, let's just move on, get over it. And it's like, that works for some people, but you know, for me, it was a real addiction where I would become obsessed with these people. And it was, it was life or death. It was extreme. You know, my whole worth depended on these people liking me back. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's obviously funny. Cause I, I do think, as you said before, like so many people have this idea of what especially think sex addiction looks like from mm -hmm. a male perspective and right. through like movies made about it by, mm -hmm. I don't know, I think probably filmmakers who were interested but not 
right. didn't have that experience. Yeah. So it's super interesting to hear you talk about it from a female perspective because I do think – Obviously, you know, we're all taught from such a young age that so much of our worth is dependent on what other people think of us. Mm-hmm. Um, not just men, like teachers and this and that, yeah. and whatever. Uh, um, do you think it's a very different experience between different genders? You know, what's interesting is that a gift that I got from going to the 12 step meeting for sex and love addiction is that. You know, it's different, but it's the same. And I feel like that was a big part of my healing was hearing men's perspective of, I mean, it all comes from this core want and need of love. And, you know, again, there is Sex Addicts Anonymous and there is Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. So those are very different. So, uh, you know, if you do... Um, going to a sex addicts meeting, it, it, it is a little different because, um, you know, it's less of an attachment and dependency and like relationship involved, you know, but sex and love addicts, you know, it does involve relationships and um, that constant need for validation. So that's what I would say is the, the similarity, you know, between all genders um, would be that constant need of validation and wanting so desperately to be loved. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I thought it's, it's interesting. I'm just having a moment and I felt this way during the film too, where I relate. I have not experienced this on the same level, but then I relate so much. And I think that's a testament to your filmmaking as well, or your ability to be vulnerable about it, but it's just so human to want to be loved. Yeah. Um, and yeah. again, have not dealt with the same addiction, but can still right. relate. Um, yeah. Cause I've been in certain relationships that seemed to devolve in something closer to this than, mm-hmm. you know, something mm-hmm. healthy. Um, how is it, you know, making a piece of art about something you'd experienced, um, so personally, um, because you've imbued, there are really humorous moments in the film. I'm thinking of like the triggers and flipping through channels Mm -hmm. and really, you know, how was it? Do you feel like this was like a very helpful process in some way? How was it? It really was. It really was. It was incredibly healing for me. I feel like, you know, being able to take this dark part of my life and bring light to it and do something good with it. You know, every day I just reminded myself why I was doing it and it was because I wanted to help other people. And that really is a powerful way to like turn the dark in the light. Like it was incredibly powerful for me. And there was one morning that I even drove to set and I was just in tears of like gratitude because I couldn't even believe where I was and like what was happening. Um, so it was a very, um, healing experience for me. Um, and in terms of getting to where you were, do you mind, um, talking a little bit about how you were connected with Jan Mark Duplass and how you you know, ended up making this film from writing it to. Yeah, it's a really cool, miraculous story because um, Mark Duplass actually started following me on Twitter in 2013. And so I sent him a DM and was like, oh, my God, thanks for following me. You're one of my heroes. And he wrote back, if you have anything that you've written that you want to show me, send it over. And I didn't have anything at the time um, because I was probably obsessed with whoever unavailable guy was with at the time. And I did nothing for myself at that time. But it wasn't until a year later, 2014, that 
I was, I had started recovery from sex and love addiction and a big part of my recovery was finding what I was into and tapping into my creativity. And I wrote a pilot in five days, actually a TV pilot about um, my experiences. And so I DM'd him again and I sent it over. And then the next day he emailed me and said, I want to meet you and I want to make a movie. And, oh my um, gosh. I know. And that, that so that's when I met Mark, it was the exact same month, January 2015, that I had almost killed myself over that guy. So it was like kind of miraculous and magical how it all happened. Because then all that focus that I had put on this person was now, you know, going into this creative project that we worked on. I mean, that was 2015. So it, you know, it premiered at South by Southwest this year. And so it was a lot of writing, rewriting, and then, you know, trying to get it funded, then deciding to do a Kickstarter. And like, it was just like so much heart and love put into this project that we've been working on for a really long time. Wow. Yeah. That's an incredible story. (laughs) I know, right? Like my mouth is hanging open. (laughs) It's like, that's incredible. What was it like to be recovering from something, like in the early stages of recovery and writing about it? Like, do you think it was helpful or was it? It was absolutely helpful. It really like, it's it's interesting because it kind of literally saved my life to make this movie because, you know, what's hard about, you know, an addiction and then like, you know, getting sober off of these things. And for this, you know, it's not just a substance, it's like behavioral. So it's like, you know, for me, that looked like not contacting my ex, which was the hardest part. And then not dating, not flirting with guys, not text flirting with guys, not intriguing with strangers when I'm out, not, um, not masturbating, not, you know, nothing. And so, when you take out all these things that you're used to doing every single day, it's a shock to the system. And so I went through serious withdrawal. Like um, they did um, a study of withdrawal from sex and love addiction is comparable to getting off cocaine because it's like the same um, things firing in your brain. And now you're going through withdrawal. And so I went through terrible uh, physical, emotional pain. Like, and you know, I was crying every day because, you know, you're, you're feeling feelings for the first time. You're feeling all the feelings you had avoided by, you know, um, acting out in, in these behaviors. So to have, you know, this script to write and rewrite and focus on, you know, there is one night that I was up for 17 hours, like rewriting the script completely. Like it was kind of like taking this usually addictive energy that I have on bad things and like moving it to this project. And it really saved my life and kept me going. Cause I'm like, I need to finish this film and I want to see it made and I want people to see it. Yeah. Well, oh my goodness. It just, yeah, that is, miraculous and amazing timing and I'm so glad that I mean that DM too I'm so glad the DMing worked out yeah like thank you yeah. for something a good DM a good DM yeah uh, totally a good DM right yeah. the right sliding into DMs. yeah like funny yeah. irony about yeah yeah <laughs> totally. yeah absolutely so in any you know recovery in other than just working on this project like in those really difficult moments um how, how, what other steps did you take to kind of make it through? Because it sounds incredibly challenging, um, physically and emotionally. 
I basically needed to learn how to take care of myself because that, that was a really big realization was that I, one, didn't know how to love or take care of myself. And two, I didn't know who the hell I was because, you know, up until that point, I'd always been trying to be whatever I thought the guy that I liked wanted. And so I really did not know who I was. And so I got to um, kind of explore. I kind of made a list of even like things that I've always wanted to try and see what I'm into. And it was like, I like I, I went to puppet school because I was like, I have always wanted to learn how to, you know, puppeteer. And I, I went to puppet school. Um, I got super into yoga and Pilates and hiking. And, you know, um, there's like all that kind of fun stuff. But then there was also very basic things of like realizing that I should eat when I'm hungry. I should sleep when I'm tired. Like basic things that I wasn't doing before. Mm-hmm. Um just learning how to be really kind to myself. I had never bought candles or like lit a candle or even bought myself flowers before this. And then I started doing that and I was like, Oh, I get it now. Like this actually feels really good. At first I always thought that was, was just stupid and I didn't need to do those things, but it was like, Oh, this stuff is really fun. It's actually feels good to be nice to myself. Yeah, that's a really good point. It took me a long time to realize that too. It's hard. You have to learn how to do it. Yeah. Totally. And even then, like, I feel like I do that really, really well sometimes. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like maybe even too well. Like, I, <laughs> I like get a lot of massages. And I'm, right? like, I'm not weird about buying myself friends. But it's, even though I have moments when I'm really good at that, I definitely have months, like uh, days, weeks, like months, like periods of time where I just get, like I unlearn that it goes right. away. Yeah. It's a constant practice. I feel like, cause a big part of learning how to love myself too, was realizing that like, you know, on a good day when I feel like an A plus student and like things are looking the way I want, it's easy. It's easier to love myself, but when it looks bad or messy or not the way I want, or I slip a little, or, you know, it's, it's just not, what I want it to be like, can I then love myself and be gentle with myself on those days? Like that's the real test and the real practice is being to love myself even when it's the hardest too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And at times when you feel for me, it's at times when I'm triggered by like, especially stress, like when I'm in phases of extreme like busyness and stress, Mm-hmm. I treat myself like an actual garbage can. Right. I just, exactly. you know, I like eat like yeah. shit. I'm just bumming cigarettes from strangers yeah. on the street. Like I act like a bridge troll. And it's like <laughs> right. so it's – and then you wake up from that moment and you're like, oh, I feel worse. Yes. Feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlene, so in terms of like after kind of starting to recover and learning how to, you know, love yourself and take care of yourself – um, what I know we kind of mentioned this when we were offline, but like steps. So once you go through the program, like are there steps you can date so that you can date in a healthy way again? Does that yes. Mean, yeah. So to talk about that. That's a really terrifying part of recovery that comes up that most people are like, I don't want to do that. I know for me, I was very resi- resistant to it um, because I had known that I was even ready to, you know, try dating again. Um, once I was telling, I I was telling people that I could be single forever. I was genuinely feeling and saying that, which is 
crazy for me to say because, you know, I had my first boyfriend when I was 13 and I jumped from boyfriend to boyfriend up until then. Um, and so for me to say I could be single forever is like crazy. Um, but at that point I had been, you know, I had been sober off all those things I had mentioned for a year and a half. And so what's different about this addiction versus a substance addiction is that you, you know, you need sex and love. So you got to learn how to do it. <laughs> mm. Um, and so a healthy dating plan helps with that. And so you write your plan to whatever you need. And so for my plan, it was essentially going very slow and getting to know a person before you have sex with them or call them your boyfriend. Um, because up until that point, all my boyfriends were just drunk hookups that stuck. And I never really had dated because I just hook up with guys. Um, so it was so new to me to <laughs> um, go on dates. Um, so the first month is just one date a week and it has to be a daytime date. So like you're sober and out in the broad daylight and you're, you know, you're drinking coffee and it's like a, a set amount of time, like one to two hours and you have little contact in between so that you don't get obsessed. Cause before I would like text a guy all day and like lose my day. Um, and then the second month, Oh, nothing physical can happen too. You're just developing a friendship. The second month, you can bring in kissing and, you know, light physical touch um, and you can do night dates. Uh, the third month, you can sleep over each other at each other's places, but you're not having sex yet. And then like you're ready to have sex once you're in a committed relationship. And so it's this like very slow uh, process. Um, and what was cool for me and very surprisingly empowering is that the first two guys that I went on dates with, I was able to know by the second date that I didn't like them. And I walked away not having had sex with them. Hmm. And it was so crazy and mind blowing to me of, to be like, I don't like this guy. All right. I'm going to walk away. Like that was so insane to me because, you know, and another time I would have hooked up with both of these guys, you know, drunk on the first night and then think that I'm in love with them and then obsess over them for like the next year. So to be able to just walk away and have no attachment to these people, my mind was blown. Mm. Um, and then um, I met my boyfriend who I've been with now for two and a half years um, because he was actually an acquaintance for a long time and we thought nothing of each other, but there was um, a moment where we hung out, we connected, and we realized that we wanted the same thing because we had um, similar um, issues, similar um, childhood trauma, like very similar things where we needed the same thing that we needed to go very slow and not have sex right away. And so it kind of just worked out miraculously like that. And we did the dating plan and we didn't have sex until three and a half months in. And even thinking about that first kiss after a month was like crazy. The craziest first kiss I ever had in my life because you, it's like built up and I really like this person as a friend and a human being, like I respect this person. And then like, we've been waiting to kiss and then we waited and it was just like crazy. Wow. 
That's incredible. I know. It's really cool. I mean, I have like eight questions to ask you, but (laughs) I'll start at the beginning. What was it? What was it like going on like your first date? after recovery we talk a lot about first dates on this podcast i was so so. scared i was so 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 scared um it was very kind of shocking to sit across from this person having coffee in broad daylight completely sober and i was freaking out the whole time like i honestly don't even when, after the date, I, I don't even remember what happened because I don't think I was present at all because I was internally freaking the fuck out the whole time and, like, kind of feeling like I wanted to die. Like, that's how, like, bad it was and how I had absolutely no experience of, like, being sober with a, a stranger and, and talking and having a, a sober conversation. Um, I actually came home that day and... Um, I called my, my mentors who were like, like my sponsors. And I was like scream crying in the phone and crying in the, in the fetal position saying, I never want to do that ever again. (laughs) It was so awful to me. Yeah. So that was my first date experience. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh yeah. We didn't ask about a worse first date as we usually do. Cause I just was too excited to talk about the film, but like, Hey, Maybe, maybe that's that yeah that yeah. was pretty yeah like on a, on a serious level like just so painful for me to experience yeah yeah for and sure I'm sorry. yeah but. <laughs> and then did it get better like when I mean when you went on subsequent dates I mean obviously I'm assuming it got <laughs> somewhat better well, yeah, especially when you I started mean, dating your boyfriend but <laughs> yeah 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 the second date was definitely easier um and then but it was so cool I remember having that moment during the second date just like thinking in my head, like, I'm not into this person, you know, and he was like a great guy. And, I, you know, but like, it was so cool to have that moment of like, I don't have to see this person again. <laughs> I don't have to have sex with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a really, it's funny because I was in a very different way, not nearly as serious, more in like a frivolous, we want to start a podcast way. But I, you know, did this 51 date experiment. I didn't do all 51 dates. I met my boyfriend through it, funny enough. Oh, I did wow. 32. And I had been in a, a different kind of pattern in New York of um, just like not actually going on all the dates, but then being in half relationships that were so they could differ, not nearly to the extent, but definitely staying in things with people I knew wouldn't commit to me, definitely unavailable men in my life. Um, and never like, I remember the moment I had when I started do going on dates more regularly and was just like you know I'm Mm -hmm. not into this it's not just about like what does he think of me like going on more dates really helped me oh yeah yeah I just relate to that when you said that it resonated that was a mind-blowing experience for me because before it will it was always about like does he like me Mm -hmm. like and then now it was just like it was so cool and empowering to be like do I like him (laughs) (laughs) which is so new for me no, and again, to completely relate. And I think, like, and again, di- like, to different extents, um, and people are battling, our listeners are battling with this in different ways, but I think a lot of our listeners will relate to that because it can just be, and again, sometimes I think it means taking yourself out of the dating game for a while or whatever, but mm-hmm. for me, it was putting myself back out there, and it's just, like, I always knew it was up to two people to be in a relationship, mm-hmm. but somehow that moment where you get to decide, too, and, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how long it takes. I think a lot of women, myself included, to realize like it is not 
what they think of me. It's what I, mm-hmm. I mean. In, you know, it is a little. It's it's a two way street. Yes. <laughs> like it's, but it's crazy. It's the simplest com- concept, and I think once you feel it, yeah. you recognize it. Yeah. There's you a weird moment of like, you know. oh, yeah. Totally. So when you were going on these these dates, um, like after you were out of recovery, were you telling people that you were that you had gone through this and that you were in like a recovery process, or was it something you were kind of keeping to yourself, like for yourself? I think generally in the program, you're not supposed to tell them, but it was kind of um, different for me since you know these people followed me on social media and I've just always been so out about my experiences. So they already knew everything about me, which Mm -hmm. is I think kind of like a very unique experience to have. Um, But yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. So would people ask about it and bring it up? Like, would you bring it up? Was it something that came up on dates? Um, yeah, it did. And that's why, like, even like the second guy I had walked away because, um, at some point he said, he was like, I can't wait to be your first. Whoa. (laughs) I know. And I was like, okay, you're just basically like waiting for when we can have sex. And that's, I think you're not really getting it. (laughs) That's super fucking yeah, weird. Yeah, that just rubbed me the it's wrong really way gross. hearing secondhand. Yeah. 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 So that was cool to walk away from that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that must have, yeah, that's a big moment to be able to like recognize that, walk away from it. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. we were, yeah, like we were, like, I, I was sitting there in the middle of the day being like, okay. Boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking, if any, okay, so I'll try to word this as best I can. If any of our listeners are like, you know, First of all, they should go see your film as well. Um, but if they're listening to you right now and kind of starting to, I don't know, relate a lot, like, yeah. but not be sure kind of where they fall yeah. or if they need yeah. to get recovery, like, how would yeah. you help them, like, start to think about that? And then where would you kind of lead them if they did maybe need to go to a program? I would really suggest um, just doing a Google search of sex and love addiction and finding um, there's these 40 questions that you can um, a- answer. And then, you know, see if you relate that way. And then there's like a list of characteristics that you can check out. Um, And then there's a bunch of books that you could definitely check out. That's how I started. And I was like basically reading all of my experiences in a book. Um, But I actually have on my website, I have a whole sex and love addiction section where you can go and it has all these links to all these things I'm talking about. And that's a great way um, to just kind of explore and see how you relate. So my website is charstarlene.com and then you can just click on sex and love addiction. Awesome. We'll definitely link to that too. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in terms of people who aren't like more, who aren't specifically, um, like, you know, feeling like they might, they might mm -hmm. have a sex and love addiction, but just are trying to create like a healthy dating life for themselves that involves like self-love and self-care and like Mm -hmm. not being mean to yourself and not like letting people treat you badly blah 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 blah. do you have like advice and thoughts like things that you learned through all of this that you think are applicable to just like all the humans yeah you know one thing that I did before I started dating was to write make a list of my red flags and deal breakers Mm -hmm. um because Back in the day, it was like I'd see flags and I'd be like, "Um, I want to marry you. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, once you write them out and if you can really commit to yourself of like, 
if someone has these things, I walk away. It's like that whole concept of walking away was very new to me. So, but I think even having that list, like I kept it on my phone, it reminded me of like, it, it, it definitely planted the seed of like, we're not going to pursue these things anymore. And so even sometimes I meet people and they'd have like yellow flags, I would call them of like, oh, maybe this is a thing. But most of the time it was just like, you know what? No, you know what? This person really is a Coke addict. I really should walk away, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Try to put stuff in perspective. And I also had a list on my phone of what I'm looking for in a partner. Um, because again, if I have on my, because of my experiences before in my past relationships, if I have something on my phone that says like, you know, I want him to have a job. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to have a car. <laughs> then it, it, it helped me like focus that energy more into attracting that of like, you know, this is what I want. This is where I'm headed. So when it felt like a bummer of like, okay, I'm not, I'm walking away from this guy because he is a Coke addict. I could look at that list and remind myself what I deserve and what I want. And it like, it kind of motivated me to keep going. Mm. Yeah. It's a huge, like it just full circle. It's a huge form of self-care to be able yeah. to just, you know, and again, it's like as simple as a list sometimes. I think that's like a really good exercise for mm-hmm. anything. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think even in a relationship sometimes when, you know, you feel like things aren't going the way you want or things aren't changing, like it can be be helpful to write down. Like I wish I had fucking done that in past relationships (laughs) where I was being like, it's fine. Like don't worry about it, you know. Then like what do I actually want? Oh, like I'm not getting a single one of these things. You know, like I'm getting one of these things, which is like great sex or – He's fun. I don't know. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. A big thing that helped me too, especially like with, because a big part of my addiction was like not being able to leave my ex-boyfriend was like writing a list specifically for an ex-boyfriend of why it didn't work. Because every time I'd go into the fantasy of like, oh, but he's the one and he's this, I'd look at that list and remember like how seriously terrible it was. Hmm. And you need to be reminded all the time sometimes. Yes. Yes. Totally. <laughs> very, very much relate to that. Totally. Yeah. It's uh, so funny because I feel like this is like kind of a random anecdote, but I feel like I, when I went through a, a big breakup, the guy was not so happy with me and kind of almost a little bit aggressively was like, or not, not aggressively, past aggressively was like, well, I hope we find what you're looking for or something mm-hmm. like that. And it was this weird awakening moment of me because I was like journaling about it later. I'm a big, just like long rambly journaler. And I w- wrote that and I was like, what am I looking for? Like, yeah. I was like, I don't really know except just like different. But it mm-hmm. was this big moment of like, oh, like what do I want for myself? And I think that that moment really, really helped me to find my like current partner, mm-hmm. you know? So it's... Yeah, it is a strange thing, but it does feel, it can feel really, I think sometimes you go to make that list and you're like, oh my God, I don't know, like somebody nice who I love, (laughs) you know, it can be hard to figure that out. But I think that's where like the self-care and self-love and like being a pal to yourself comes in. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I don't know. It's so, again, so interesting. I hate to keep bringing it down to like, because I haven't experienced all that you've gone through, Charlene, but like, it's still so relatable. It's also human. And it's it like mm-hmm. thinking about, and I felt this way watching the film again, like it just, it's all really helpful to think about just like how we don't, 
prioritize ourselves because of stories we tell ourselves or traumas mm-hmm. that have like it's just yeah this all continues to be something I just want people to keep thinking of as they're dating and they're listening to our podcast maybe they're feeling frustrated um yeah just like what are you actually looking for like it's okay if like dating is shit right now it's nothing yeah. about you you know right like, sometimes it is but like sometimes it's about two people I don't know yeah yeah I'm just trying yeah to I always like to say that you know, you're always going to attract experiences and people and your whole world is just a reflection of how you treat yourself and how you think of yourself. So we don't have control of other people or outside experiences, but we have control of what we do with ourselves. So if you bring that focus to yourself and you check in with yourself and how you're treating yourself, what your thoughts are like, how you're speaking to yourself, um, as you up-level that, everything will up-level outside of you, and you will watch that happen as you continue to work on yourself. It's a great, great takeaway, too. We should all write that down right now. Okay. <laughs> really important. Are you taking notes, guys? People in their cars. Yeah. Yes. Um, People in their cars are taking notes. <laughs> Don't take notes, notes in your car. Drive. Uh, <laughs> Um, so Charlene, what are you, what are you, I like hate when people ask me this, so I'm sorry, but I'm totally going to ask you this. What's your next, your next project? What are you working on now? Um, well, I'm actually working on a book and it's going to be, um, kind of a memoir that goes really well with the film. Um, so I'm working on that. I've been working on that for a long time. Um, and, uh, I'm actually, um, diving into directing now. So awesome. there's a project that I, I can't share yet, but that I'm, I'm directing right now. And, um, I'm just going to continue to make it my goal to keep sharing stories from my life. Cause even with this film, it's just such a small sliver of all the stories that I have. And I have so many stories to tell and so many parts of my life to tell. And so I really hope to continue to make films. And also, um, I, my, my dream would be to, um, get on television with some of these stories. Mm, Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm ready for it. I know. (laughs) I'll tune in. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you so much. So again, the film is unlovable and just remind me the date that everyone can go find it. So it's in select theaters on November 1st. And then on November 2nd, it's on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Vudu, and Microsoft. Awesome. Amazing. And t- also tell everybody where they can find you on social media. You already shouted out your website. but Oh, yeah. Definitely follow me on Twitter um, at Charstarlene, C-H-A-R-S-T-A-R-L-E-N-E. Um, and if you've seen the movie and you like it, please post about it and hashtag unlovable movie because this is definitely a word of mouth kind of movie. So I really want to get it out there and help a lot of people. Yes. we Everyone will repost it. We're, we'll post it and you all can repost it from us if that's easier. We'll make it easy for them. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Charlene. This was really great. Um, thanks for coming on and sharing everything with us. And thank congrats you so on the movie. Much. It's awesome. Thank you. And yeah, good luck with everything. Thanks yeah. for being with us. And we always Thanks. sign off by um, telling our listeners to go on a date. Go on a date. Or don't if you don't feel like it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Charlene. Thank you. Okay, bye. A big shout out to Anthony from 5 Ohm for making us sound really good in post. And you should check 5 Ohm out online at 5ohm.com. And that's spelled F I V E O H M. Ohm.